0: church. Thanks for listening in. We exist as a church to connect people to the heart of God and to a family within the church. And we believe that Jesus is the way. We hope this message blesses you and gives you hope today. Hey, good morning. Today is taking me a little bit longer to move in than it typically does. So just bear with me there for a second. Uh, How are you guys doing? Is it great? All right. So here's the one question. Has anybody in your family been affected with sickness in the last couple weeks? Oh, my gosh, man look! I'm talking it has ran through daycare, it has ran through churches. I don't know if you guys know anything about kids, um, but they are just adorable little cesspools uh they're like little petri dishes, right like they, they're just so adorable, but then they go together and they just breed all this crazy strange sickness. well, uh, we've uh, dealt with that in our household as well. We're dealing with a little bit at m eighteen uh, so if you guys have never had a chance to meet me. Uh, My name is Blake. I'm one of the pastors around here, but my wife and I were the directors of a recovery ministry here uh, based out of this house. It's uh, called M18 Recovery. And so we actually have a residential drug and alcohol treatment facility for men uh, that's located here. It's 100% discipleship-based. We believe that Jesus is the answer uh, to all of your problems, Uh, not Jesus plus something, but Christ and Christ alone uh, can heal you from that. And so we get an opportunity each and every single day of the week to watch these miracles transpire. Um, One thing that we've learned at M18 is that we don't necessarily have the ability to control the actions of people as they graduate, um, but we can control our response. And uh, I wanted to share this with you guys, uh, just for someone who might have maybe a child or a loved one that's gone wayward. Um, we, in the beginning, were a little bit more rigid with some of the things that, that we did in regards to people who were lost and relapsed and things of that nature. But uh, here recently, we've just been incredibly graceful. And and, and I think that's what Christ is, is. He's all about grace. He's about continually pursuing the lost. And so we've started doing that. And here recently, I just got a text message the other day that two graduates that I know without a shadow of a doubt, they they would tell you that they had gone wayward. Um, But they were actually doing a Bible study together at a coffee shop in Benton the other day. And so even though that they went away for a season, uh, they've came back to where that they know the truth is, man. And I think that's a good spot to give it up for Christ right there, man, because we absolutely love what is happening. Uh, So this past week, I just want to show you all a pic of what's going on, just give you a little update. Anytime you all give me the mic, you're going to have to hear about M18. All right, man, this is my dude, Theo, all right? In this segment, we like to call to better know one of your NLC security, all right? So here's the thing, Theo, it might sound weird at first, but I promise you, if someone tries to snatch my kid out of childcare, I want Theo to handle it, right? Like, I don't know how judicious it's gonna be necessarily, but I know it's gonna get taken care of, right? And that's what we're worried about. So Theo, man, is so cool. He's uh, been here about a month and a half. And uh, Theo came here, he was living in middle Missouri, done a lot of running around Kansas City. Uh, He's around right at 40-ish, knocking on the door of it, if not. Uh, But Theo, man, he, uh, he started doing drugs with his parents at like 12. And he spent like 17 years incarcerated, in and out of prison. And uh, whenever he got to M18, man, he has just dug in like no one that I've ever witnessed in my entire life. That in a month and a half, God has done such a radical transformation in this man's life that he is unrecognizable from the individual that walked into these doors. And he literally keeps saying, Blake, man, I ain't never going to be the same, brother. I ain't never going to be the same. And like, that is the message that we are trying to carry. Because when people come to know Christ, they should be running around saying, I'm never going to be the same. Can we get an amen? for Theo yeah give it up for him man so there's also something else going on in this picture man and if you guys don't pay close attention you'll miss it there's another testimony look at that man you see those sad earlobes that's the dude baptizing them right because here's the thing I want you guys to know, disciples make disciples, right? And so Ross, we found him on a flatbed trailer in a Lowe's parking lot in Saline County, okay? Uh, everything this dude had and everything he owned was in a plastic Walmart sack. He had literally overdosed and died not too much long uh, before this picture uh, in front of his stepdaughter, all right? Uh, to the point where that he wasn't actually allowed to be around her. And now you know what? Not only does he and his family go to this church, but her dad and his stepmom go to this church as well. Can we give it up for God? Because that is an absolute miracle, man. Like, we get to see stuff like this all the time. And that's why I like to share it with you guys, man, because I just don't know if everyone gets to see these miracles. Because, like Bronson said, we are actually in like Acts chapter 2023 20, right now, about to be 2022. Don't let me, I know the year's flying by, but I don't want to bounce past it too quick but we are still a continuation of what was happening in the early church. All we are is a bunch of individuals who are all completely flawed, but by empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we're allowed to continue the work that Christ has left for us in this earth. Isn't that exciting? Like we get to see it all the time. And the one thing that I hate more than anything else is I truly feel with all my heart that the average Christian doesn't feel equipped. If Theo, who has spent 17 years incarcerated, who started doing drugs with his family at the age of 12, can pray with pastors coming through City Serve on a daily basis, how much more should we be empowered, right? And so I think that's a lie from the enemy, man. I think the enemy tells each and every one of us, he tries to hold us down and say, you're not qualified, you can't speak well, you don't know the Bible well enough, but let me tell you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you seek him and you ask him to fill you, things change in your life. And so it is an awesome privilege to get to help pastor these men, and I just cannot get enough of it. But today, uh, we're in Acts, and we're gonna study about the Jerusalem Council. And so as Q comes up here, He's going to read the text that we have for today, and uh, I know Bronson likes a thesis, and so I did this for Bronson. Uh, you, you'll never catch me doing this outside of this, and even if he's gone, I probably won't do it, but, but, but the thesis for today is salvation comes through faith in Christ alone, but unity in the body of Christ requires work, so keep that in mind as Q reads.
1: Please, please rise for the reading of the word. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles too were being converted. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them, but then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles, to take them, a people, for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicated, predicted. As it is written... Afterward, I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles. All those I have called to be mine, the Lord has spoken. He who made these things known so long ago. And so, my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immortality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thank you. So let's unpack
0: this. Uh, today's message is really going to be two, two halves. One's teaching historically what happened and talking about the verdict that the Jerusalem Council made. And then after that, it's a charge of what we can take from it as a church. Uh, so the issue that we see in Acts 15.1 that pops up is that they're teaching, unless you're circumcised, as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. All right. So then you go down and you see the two things that the council, the questions that are being delegated and they're being talked about, uh, is that do Gentiles first have to become Jews before they can become Christians? Like, do they have to make the full conversion? And then after they're converted, do Gentiles have to obey the law of Moses? Uh, You see in chapter five, it clearly states that. It says, but then some of the believers who belong to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. And so I, w- I wanna take note at, at two words. One is sect and one of the Pharisees, okay? So it wasn't even all of the Pharisees, right? It was a sect of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were actually like, like a faction of The Jews, but then there was a sect of them. So you literally had like a faction of a a fraction of a faction uh, of individuals that were causing the most noise about it. And so it it wasn't even like this big divisive half and half. It it was just a very small group of very loud individuals that were trying to cause this trouble and this drama. But you see, uh, if you think about it, uh, most of the problems that they had in the early church is is an oversimplification. uh, But it's pretty much revolved around pork in circumcision, right? Like, like it, it's the craziest thing. It, it, it's, it's meat and circumcision, but there's a reason for that because it's not actually the act of it, but it's what it represents. So let me to explain. So the Jews followed the law of Moses, right? Like, that was the law that was given to them. That was the law that was designed to set them apart. That was the law given to them by God. Well, they also had what's called the Abrahamic Covenant, all right, so this covenant was given to them by God through Abraham, and it was he was going to multiply the people, he was going to make offspring as, as many as the stars, and through the offspring, the world was going to be blessed, which was actually fulfilled with Christ. All right, and, and so it's through Abraham's offspring the world would be full, the, would be blessed. So here's the deal: Abraham gave that covenant, and this is how strongly that he felt about it in G, in Genesis 17:14. God is telling Abraham, he said, any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people for he has broken my covenant. All right, so the reason that the Jews are so incredibly serious about this is because they're trying to undo almost 2,000 years worth of teaching. The, the teachings, the things that they held so dearly to their heart, they're, they're just having a hard time fathoming the fact that Jesus was actually the fulfillment of the promise. And through Jesus, Abraham's offspring, that's how the world would actually be blessed. And, and so, there, I mean, so how many people thought the early church was pretty much flawless, like no problems whatsoever, right? Uh, I, I'm gonna tell you, it was the exact opposite. But can you guys see how a problem would be starting to kind of unravel in this? Um, so nearly 2,000 years of practice, and this is about the same distance of time from Christ's resurrection until today, what well, was about how long of a time that it was from the Abrahamic covenant up until this time that they're talking about. All right, so the, the council and the decision that they made regarding the salvation, uh, super cut and dry, incredibly easy. You read in Acts 15:11, it says, we believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Like that's something I think that we we hear and, and it's not like a big deal to us because we've heard it over and over again. A lot of us are born in the Bible Belt, we've been to church over and over again, and so the idea that we are saved by grace through faith is something that we've all heard, but you have to understand, these are Jewish believers. They've had something totally different taught to them for their entire lives, and so that's almost like someone coming in and trying to undo all the teaching that you have ever had in your life, right? It's something that they believe to be very dear and to hold dear to their heart, and so it was the concept that they were having a hard time wrapping their minds around, but you see, what they came up with is almost even hard for us to understand today. Even though it is incredibly simple that Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Like we, we just wish that we had some works that were involved, right? Like, like we just wish that there was a checklist, like there was a punch list of things that we had to do like in order to be saved. It would be so much easier for us to wrap our mind around the natural than it is the supernatural. Like, because a lot of us, we feel so unworthy and so undeserving of the grace of God that the gift of salvation doesn't even seem attainable to us. We feel like that there should be more that we would have to do, but there's not. Simply professing your faith and belief in Jesus Christ is how that we are saved, all right? In the Jerusalem Council, if they would have never addressed this, like, best case scenario, there would have been uh, well, two, two scenarios really that would have happened. One would have been that we would all have to be Jewish right now. Like we would have all had to convert into Judaism and that we would all have to obey the laws and the customs and the things that were involved in the law of Moses. The other thing that could have happened is there would have been a complete church split and that Jews would have went in one direction and that the Gentiles would have went another and, and there would have been two totally different Christian churches. But the council, they also addressed something a little more subtly that you, you, you have to read into kind of that was more on how the church can be unified, right? So like, let's pull up Acts 15, 19, and 21. It says, and so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles to turn to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood, Check it out. Here's why. It says, because for these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on the Sabbath for many generations. They wanted to be honoring to the Jews that were in the synagogues. Like, Like they actually put, they're not necessarily restrictions, but they put practices in place so that they could have unity within the church because they didn't want them going around continuing to live this hedonistic way uh, that was representative paganism. They, they wanted them to be able to worship together in a body. Here's a question. Do you guys think unity happens accidentally? What about diversity? Look, I'm gonna tell you right now, that on Sunday, that is about the most, diverse, or the most uh, segregated day of the week still. Like, right? I mean you you got black churches, you got white churches, you got Korean Baptist churches. Like like it's where you go to where you find comfort. Well, look, I'm gonna tell you right now that I absolutely love the diversity in this church. One day I was sitting here and I looked up on stage and there was a, there, there was black, there was white, equal parts in the audience. There was uh, English as a second language, Hispanics. There was Asians. There were older people. There were younger people. Like there were, there were real estate moguls sitting next to people who struggled with homelessness. Like there were convicts sitting next to people who held public office. Like there, there were just, there was cops sitting next to drug addicts. And like, it was so beautiful. It's a tiny, teeny, teeny little fraction of what heaven is gonna look like. Like, there is every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, all nations will proclaim that Jesus is king. But do you think that happens accidentally? No, it's work, and I think it's okay for us to say that. Like, we have to actively fight for unity. Salvation is a free gift, but unity comes with a price, right? Like, we have to give up our own selfish desires, our own self-centeredness for the greater good of the common man but these things have to be fought for. So today, what I'm gonna talk about more than anything is unity in a diverse church. Whenever I come to church, it's not that I don't see race. It's that it doesn't matter, right? Like, yeah, I see race. I'm not an idiot, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't see color. Well, all right, you're colorblind, bro, you know? It, it's it's not that. It, it's that it doesn't matter. But here's what happens. When you have so many different people in so many different cultural backgrounds that are coming together to worship as one, there can be problems with division. Like, think about how political, uh, look, election is coming up, right? You know, if, if you don't need this message now, put it in your back pocket and listen to it later. Uh, because I will tell you that there are lots of people here that have different political ideologies, and I don't want that to push us apart as a body of believers. Like I believe without a shadow of a doubt, man, that even though that political polarization is at an all time high, we're not just citizens of the United States. You know that, right? Like if you're a believer, you're a citizen of heaven and your heavenly citizenship trumps. Can I say Trump talking about election? Like it, it, it trumps, all right? <laughs> yeah, it, anyway, it, it, it overshadows your, <laughs> your U.S. citizenship because above all else, you are actually a citizen of heaven and that's how our conduct has to be reflected. Jesus said that any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding, it'll fall apart we have to remain strong and unified. This is a plea, this is a cry, because I'm telling you, if you cannot already feel it coming, there is a day and time in which the church will be persecuted. This isn't, I've never been an end times pastor whatsoever. It's not something that I really have focused a lot on. But what I'm telling you is that there is a time coming and it's coming quicker than I think any of us can imagine in which that something shifts and the church finally becomes persecuted. And if we are not unified with one voice in the mind of Christ, we will be scattered, right? Like we have to remain, we have to find this voice and we have to fight for unity at all costs. How do we remain unified is the question. I think to answer this, we go back to the beginning of Acts. Whenever you read in Acts chapter two, uh, they were more unified than anywhere that I can really find in scripture. Uh, And in Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 44, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, all the believers were together and had everything in common, right? So if if you look at that, look at the uh, very first first part of that, we're in Acts 2.42. The first thing that we have to do whenever we're seeking for unity is we have to be united in the word. We have to be united in the word. You see, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Because back then, the apostles' teaching, that was the word. This is just a record of the apostles' teaching. And so they were devoted to the word of God. This Point is a passion point of mine. Why? Because I've watched so many people that I love dearly get tricked and start seeking, seeking after weird doctrines that, that, are, that are false, just this narrative of the scripture and narratives of the Bible that are completely untrue. And, and it shouldn't be surprising to any of us because in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, it says, "'For a time is coming when people will no longer listen "'to sound, wholesome teaching. "'They will follow their own desires.'" And they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears wanna hear. You have got to base 100% of your life and your worldview and your theology wrapped around the word of God, I'm begging you. Because if not, you will be pulled away, especially with social media because there are so many frickin' quackpots out there that are preaching a gospel that has nothing to do with that of Jesus Christ, but there are itching ears that wanna hear it, and they're looking for ways not to prove what is right or what is wrong, but whether or not that their ideology could be correct. They're arguing for the sake of arguing. I'm telling you, whatever happened to just believing in the word of God, not trying to dissect it or tear it apart or fight it against itself, but belief in the word of God and who Jesus says he is, because that's the power of the resurrection and that's what's gonna carry on. I think what has got me passionate about this more than anything else is I can't afford private school tuition. (laughs) Sorry, I had to loosen up that moment just a little bit. It's about the next generation is it gonna fall on our watch? Is it? Like was the gospel doing great up until we got to drive? I don't want that. I want to listen to sound teaching. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I want Jesus to be the Lord of this church. I want you to want to know Christ and him crucified and study the deepness of the Bible so that you can be discipled and you can have a firm foundation because here's the thing, most of the people that I have witnessed and watched fall away, it wasn't due to bad morals. They just weren't grounded in truth. In fact, they actually had pretty decent morals and decent reading, like, uh, or they had decent decent motives, I guess, if you will. Uh, there's a guy's name's name is Nathan Finocchio. He actually says that part of the issue is that we think Jesus needs a PR person because we are more loving, kind, and merciful than Jesus is. It's not our job to say, well, I know Jesus said that, but, right? It's not our job. Like, Whatever happened because the Bible said so, right? The Bible said so. Say that with me. The Bible says so. We read in 2 Timothy chapter three, it says, you should also know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud and scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred, They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and have no interest in what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act as if they are religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. You must stay away from people like that. You see, we don't just have unity for the sake of unity. That's actually false, God tells us to reject some people. We have to be united in the fellowship in the truth of Jesus Christ. We have to be united under biblical principles. It goes on further to say in chapter three, verse 16, it says, all scriptures are inspired by God and it is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. There's a certain amount of ourself that we have to lose whenever we read the Bible, You can't make the Bible fit what it is that you want. You have to take it for what it is and what it says, and sometimes that's uncomfortable. You see, I think the problem is that we've allowed culture somehow to shape our faith more than we've allowed our faith to shape our worldview. It warns us against that in Romans. It says to present your body as a living sacrifice, but to not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Look, I'm telling you right now, the reason that I'm preaching such a strong message like this is because it grieves me to see how many people are turned away. And whenever sheep go astray, is it the sheep's fault or is it the shepherd's? We have to be willing to teach a gospel that goes against popular culture and this cancel culture. And we can't be afraid of what people are going to say about the things that we teach whenever it comes from the Word of God. Second thing we must believe. We must be united in fellowship. You see, in Acts 42 and 46, you see, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. They were in a life group, right? Like, they did life with people. It can't be on stage at New Life. You don't give a shameless life group plug every now and then. So they were were involved with people. Like, they they got to know one another. They took time. They ate together. They humanized one another. Look, I'm going to tell you guys, some some of you African-American men in here are going to freak out when I tell you this, but I've been pulled over with thousands of dollars worth of drugs in my pocket and a meth lab in my trunk more than once right? I'm Chip. Anybody ever watch Dave Chappelle? Like, like I, I, I'm the dude that, that I, I'm telling you, man, I have been pulled over so many times, and here was my tactic. I was drinking, and so I didn't want him to smell the alcohol, and so when I would get pulled over, I would open the car door and go running towards the cop like I didn't know what was happening, okay? My worldview and what has shaped my worldview is probably completely different than other people in this room. I've got black friends that have been arrested, and they didn't even do it, right? Like, I did it, and I've been out of jail. And so what I'm telling you this for is we have to get to know one another's perspective. Like, we have to take the time out of our life to understand why other people's worldviews might be the same, or it might be different than that of our own. If we're gonna be unified, you have to humanize the other individuals in here, stop stereotyping, and take time out of your day to get to figure out what makes you, you, right? Like it is not optional, it is something that we have to do. And every single day these people met together, every single day, think about that, every day. What does that mean? It means they were more dedicated to the fellowship of other believers than they were the fellowship of the people in the world. Every day they met, why? Because they were united, they were unified in their fellowship. Every day they devoted them, every single day. The Bible says that the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking for whom he can devour. Do you know a lion in all of his roaring still doesn't go after the male elephant? He doesn't go after the strong. He goes after the weak, and he doesn't even go after the weak in the presence of the male elephant. He plucks them out one by one. The enemy is willing to chip at you as long as he can in order to get you away from the herd so that way he can devour you. I promise that. We have to remain united in fellowship. The third thing, we have to be united in prayer. Like I love this, my daughter, she believes so strongly in the power of healing. She's three. Uh, Anytime somebody has a boo-boo, she'll say, Jesus can heal you. Sweetest thing ever. Uh, I might cry talking about this, but the other day, Bella, yeah, I'm an emotional wreck. I'm like angry, crying, laughing simultaneously. Like I'm bipolar. Put that Navigate slide back up there. Like I might need counseling, y'all. Uh, but, but the enemy, he, he, he wants us to not believe in the power of prayer. But Blakely, the other day, Bella, she had a boo-boo. And so Blakely kneels down with her and puts her hands on her and prays for healing. Do we believe in the power of prayer? Do we act like we believe in it? Because if something's effective, then you do it. I love what Bronson's doing and the the heart, not shift, but the heart that he has towards men praying together. And what we're doing here on Wednesday morning, 6 a.m., men are coming together, they're joining together in prayer. Uh, It's crazy, you can't even find a parking spot, 6 a.m. Wednesday, I'm like, what's happening? And so we're, we're getting together and we're praying, but we have to pray and we have to believe and we pray in unity, all right? Whenever we unite in prayer and we come together seeking a common goal, it moves God. In Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20, it says, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Like I need people to come together and believe in things for me. Like I need you guys to come together and believe that somehow some way M18 is going to end up with property so that we can continue to disciple more men. I need you guys to pray that that sometime soon we'll be able to take women because that more than just the male population is affected. Like I need for you guys to come in agreement with me so that we can pray for each other's loved ones so that they'll come to know the Lord and that I need you to believe that God can do that so that when he does, we can celebrate together, right? When we get united, there's something about it, man. God just looks down and he's like, that's it. That's what I'm talking about. And then wait to see if you don't see a move of Christ. When we can become united in spirit, all working together for one common goal, the Lord will move, I promise. We can start praying larger and larger prayers. We can start asking for things that are in accordance with his will, and we'll just start to watch the miracles that unfold and occur. The fourth thing, we have to be unified in mission. Like, we have to know the end game. In Acts 2, 46 through 47, it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's the end game. That's what we're here for. We're here to glorify God so that others can see it and then be a part of what's going on. I think the church, man, like, I I just, I see it on TV, and I know that's what the media portrays, but there's just so much divisiveness that's, I'm not gonna speak for the universal church, but I I just see how non-believers could look, and it doesn't really look any different than the world. I heard Chris Ochterbeck one time, man, he was talking about how that whenever he goes to Germany, the thing that he likes about it is he said that everything's different. It's the appeal. It's like, why would you travel somewhere if it was the same? And so as Christians, if our lifestyles aren't different, if the way we speak isn't different, if the things we watch, they're not different, if the stuff we listen to, it's not different, if the things we abstain from, they're no different, then what is it? that would ever appeal someone who's not a part of the faith to make the shift. If you're just as mean, you're just as angry, you're just like, and just keep going on, like if we're no different, like an outward appearance, if we're no different than the world, then how is everyone ever gonna take note of the miracles of Jesus Christ through the body of his church? They're not. You see this and how important this is whenever you read a. Jesus's last prayer in John chapter 17. And uh, this was the final prayer that Jesus prayed before the crucifixion. And Jesus says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you and may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. Jesus prays a prayer of unity, and it was more than just so we would get along. It was so that the world might believe that he's actually real. I think that we're onto something. I look around and I think this church does phenomenal. Like this isn't a rebuke or a reprimand. Like this this is encouragement. Like we get a lot of this right. But think about the 10%, right? Like how could we be better? Like what could we do? And and not like what could your neighbor do better? Like what 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 can we do personally like draw, draw a circle around yourself and like what 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 could what could we do in this circle to, to be better I know that there's convictions that I have whenever I wrote this message like my life group it literally consists of a bunch of people that were in long-term recovery uh, that all look like me that all have young kids like I mean we're basically a carbon copy like if you were to write a description of us you could pass it around the room and all use the same description it's so like we, we can do better, church. I promise we can, because at the end of the day, it's worth it. Why? Because souls are at sake. All right, guys, if you could just bow your heads with me and we'll pray. If this message has just touched anyone and they feel like that there's something that's going on in their life right now and that they they really just, they would love to know Jesus. Um, they have been trying to do it on their own for, for so long, Lord, and they've never really accepted you as Savior of their life, God, then I just want to give an opportunity right now. Just if that's you and uh, you you really want to know Jesus as Lord and Savior today, just please raise up your hand. I would love to know who I'm praying for. I see you. Give it a couple more seconds. Anybody here that wants to to dedicate their life today to Christ and that they don't, I see you back there, and they don't have to walk out of here the same. Well, Heavenly Father, God, I just pray, Lord, that we will be unified as a front, God. And for the people that have raised their hands today making a decision for you, Lord, I just pray that you will surround them by this family, this fellowship that we continue to talk about, Lord, so that they can grow in you, God. You recognize their raising of their hands as a signal, Lord, to you, God, that they, they want to be different. They want to be changed, Lord. And so I just ask that you will continue to lead them and guide them into the past that life. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. I pray that this message that you just listened to helps you and assists you in your journey with Jesus. And if you want to get connection in our church, follow us on Instagram
1: at NLC Downtown Little Rock.